Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're going to look a little bit at this first step, if you like, of Jesus' ministry. And and a first step at looking at how Jesus actually does the ministry that God, his Father, had called him to be doing. And to, I trust, learn some lessons from that. Um, And then not just to learn some lessons from that, but actually to seek to put some of that uh, into practice as well. And so we're going to see in this first story in Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go there, open them up. Uh, It will be on the screen, but there's something nice about having it in your own Bible. You can highlight it, whether that's on an app and you click highlight, or if it's a paper Bible and you actually use a a highlighter and a pen. Uh, But just to to mark and to note the places that we've been is quite special. But if not, uh, the scriptures will be on the screen. So Mark chapter 1, let's see. Oh, that's completely me. I just hadn't switched it on. There we go. It's working perfectly. Mark chapter 1, verse 28 says this. News about him, that's Jesus, spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee as a result of this ministry that he has begun. As soon as they left the synagogue where he'd been and been teaching, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So they come to the house. Jesus, we're coming in here. But you just need to know that this lady is sick. She's sick with a fever. She can't be up. She's she's in bed. She's, She's unwell. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus All the sick and demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So you get this rather amazing picture of Jesus comes to your house. The next minute, the entire town is at your door with everybody who's ill and unwell. And we see Jesus has compassion on them. And he begins to minister to them and to heal them. And one of the things that you will see as you begin to read the gospel accounts about Jesus and his life is around 25% of the gospels are taken up with the healing miracles of Jesus. This was a really significant part of Jesus' earthly life and ministry was given to showing compassion and love and the power of God to those who were unwell. And we can go to other places if you're taking notes. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, for example, verse 15 says, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Or in Mark 6, verse 56, comes a little later on in the gospel we're in. Whenever he entered into villages and cities or or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Or Luke chapter 4, verse 40, uh, from one of the other gospel accounts. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. 
Just amazing accounts of Jesus' love and compassion, but also the power of God to supernaturally transform the state of people's lives from being unwell to being well. And I think that people obviously struggle with these accounts if we are not Christians or before we became Christians, this probably didn't make any sense to us. Even as Christians, I think we can perhaps be okay with the idea of Jesus performing miracles, of Jesus healing people who are sick. But the idea that Jesus might continue to heal people who are sick through us and through the church, I think that's where we perhaps have bigger questions and where it becomes more challenging. Does God still heal today? is a huge question for people today. It's one that I have really wrestled with. Why are some people healed and other people are not? Why do some people seem to have to continue in a state of illness when other people are instantly healed? Why do some people healing come over maybe weeks or months or even years and again as others can be healed almost instantaneously, in, instantaneously as soon as we pray? And I think for those of us who have perhaps lost people that we've loved, or we are right now in a journey of praying for people who are sick, but they're not yet better, this actually becomes a very challenging thing for us to look at. This is not just academic. This is not just theological. This isn't a nice discussion that we have in a connect group on a Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday, whenever we meet. Um, this is real heart issue stuff. And I recognize that it's challenging. I thought it might be helpful to play, as we go through this time, a few clips from the Alpha video series. Um, some of us are doing the Alpha course, but this isn't actually a video that we cover in this particular course that we're doing. Um, directly addressing the question of, does God still heal today? And I think that Nicky Gumbel has some really valuable words of wisdom for us. So I'm going to let him take over for a moment, and we can listen to a different voice. So... This might just take a moment to load. Before I was a Christian, if you'd asked me the question, does God heal today? I'd have said, that's a non-question. I don't even believe there's a God. And if there is a God, why on earth would he heal one person when there are millions of people out there who are not healed? Even after I became a Christian and I read the New Testament, I read about Jesus healing people, the disciples healing people. I thought, yeah, okay, that happened in the past, but we wouldn't expect that to happen today. Then back in May 1982, a man called John Wimber came to speak at our church. John Wimber was an American pastor, pastor of the Vineyard Church. He'd been a, a rock musician, an amazing guy, and he came to preach here on a Sunday night from the pulpit there. I was sitting over there. Uh, I, was, I was a rather cynical about this whole subject of healing, but amazing things happened that night. The following night, we met in a room called The Spring, which is a room down there, and uh, which holds about a, a hundred people. And we had the sort of leaders of the church came. We're a much smaller church in those days, but there were about 60 or 70 leaders meeting in The Spring downstairs. And John Wimber spoke about this whole subject of healing. And we were, we were fine with that. But then he said at the end of the talk, now we're going to have some coffee. And when we come back after coffee, we're going to do healing. 
Well, none of us had ever done healing before. So we had a very long coffee break. <laughs> and when we came back after coffee, the people who'd been at the front felt it would be selfish to stay at the front. So they went, <laughs> they went right to the back. And uh, John said that he and his team had been praying and they had various words of knowledge. And he, he explained that a word of knowledge is something that doesn't come to your natural mind. It's something that's revealed by a supernatural revelation. It could be uh, an impression, a, a picture, a, some, a sort of sympathy pain, or something like that. And he said that there were uh, 12 of these. And then he read them out. And, and then he asked the people one by one to come down. The first one, I remember, was a man who had injured his back chopping wood with an axe at the age of 14. We thought, there's not going to be anybody like that. And this guy got up and he came down to the front. And then one after another, very good friend of ours, Jeremy, uh, there was a word of knowledge about his back and he came forward and he received healing that night. Eventually there was only one of those 12 words that had not been responded to. One of them was, there is a woman here who's not able to conceive. And we're British, and it was a long time ago when we really didn't talk about those things in public. And I thought, no one is going to come forward for that. But he kept waiting. And eventually, this friend of ours, young woman, got up and came forward. We didn't even know that she was struggling to conceive. But he prayed for her that night. The team prayed for her. And nine months later, she gave birth to a baby boy, although conception didn't take place in the spring. (laughs) (laughs) And since then, uh, our good friends Ed and Sarah have had five children. And I began to look at this whole subject of healing in a different way. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, I am the Lord who heals you. It's in God's nature to heal. Right, we'll click back to that again in just a moment. I thought it might be helpful to share some of my personal journey in this. And um, I want to share a couple of stories. And the stories I want to share are not there to try and say, this was my story, we got it wrong. This was someone else's story and they got it right but it's to try and illustrate the tension that we can experience as we walk this road of healing out with the Lord. And we have different experiences. And I know that many of you have painful stories of loss, um, and some of you might have stories that are similar to mine. And so if what I share brings some of that up in you, I'm sorry, I don't in any way want to cause anybody pain or hurt, but I felt that it would be helpful to share some of the journey I've been on so that you can know a bit of where I'm coming from when I approach this issue of healing. So you know that uh, we have three boys and uh, they are often running all over the place here. So it's it's hard to miss them. But just over 11 years ago, we were pregnant with our second child that was actually a little baby girl. And um, everything was progressing really well. Um, people knew about it, we'd shared about it, there was a lot of excitement and enthusiasm until we got to one of the later scans. And at one of the later scans, they picked up that there was a problem with um, the baby 
And the short version was that the little girl would probably not make it to the end of the pregnancy. And if we did, then she was probably not going to survive once she was born. And so that obviously was a really difficult thing for us to process. And we were praying, the church was praying. Um, I remember uh, Nikki and I praying. I remember Nikki sleeping and me kneeling next to the bed while she was asleep and just praying, God, would you heal our child? You are a God who heals. You are a God who is compassionate. And in the end, um, she was still born on the 12th of November, 2008. And those are her little footprints. That's all we have at the moment of, of her. And, and obviously, it raised massive questions for us. Why, why would God not heal? Why, if we have a father who loves us as much as we believe he does, this whole thing here, oh, it's our first thing. We are loved, equipped, involved, that we are so richly loved by God, and God is so powerful, and God is so gracious, and God is so able. Why, why would he not do that? And it was a difficult time for us. We were going through uh, a season where there was with a, one of our other boys was also very ill, seriously ill, um, and we were trusting God to intervene there too. And so, it was a time of real wrestling for us. And I have come to peace about that now, but it's not a peace that leads me not to pray for healing. It's a, it's a peace that has given me a platform to be able to continue to fight for others for healing, trusting that God would work in a situation that's different to mine. And then um, we are doing a, 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 a series in our Connect group at the moment, and as a result, I was reading the book about it, you know, trying to be a diligent leader, get ahead of where the group is going to be. And in the book, there was a, a story that came up. And um, the story was quite similar to ours, but with a very different outcome. So in the story, um, there is um, a woman that came for prayer in one of the services, at, en at the end of one of the services that they were having. And her baby had died in the womb. But the person that was praying for her said, the baby's not dead. That's a big risk to take when you're praying for someone in that situation. The woman said, excuse me, I've been to the doctor. I've taken the test. They're going to be removing the child next week. The baby is dead. And the person praying said, I believe the child is not dead. I feel that God has spoken. We need to pray for this child to live. And they prayed, and she went back to the doctor, and the baby was alive again. The whole medical team was completely dumbfounded. The child was born and is alive and healthy today. And so you have these two different stories. And I, and I share that because I want to illustrate the tension that we can sometimes experience with this. And as I was reading that, I felt the temptation to become offended at that testimony. Does that make sense to anybody? The challenge of that, where we, this was almost the very thing that we were experiencing and there had not been a healing. And now here, there is someone who is healed. And how do I bring my heart to engage with that can be very challenging. I remember in South Africa when we were there praying for two men in the church. Uh, both had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, they'd essentially been told they were on a very limited amount of time. Um, I remember the one was told, you need to spend a bit of time with your wife before things end. And it's, it's sort of at that level of seriousness. And um, the church was really praying for both of them. And the one was 
the one died, and the one was, I believe, completely supernaturally healed. And so again, we have this real tension as we come to look at this. How do we understand the ministry of healing? How do we understand Jesus' healing, and how do we understand healing in the church? It's a big topic, okay? I don't have enough time today to do that well and to honor your time, okay? So I'm going to introduce some things today. We're going to cover some more next week, but we also want to, as... uh, Nikki Gumbel said, not just hear about healing, but we want to do some healing. So don't panic all of you that are in the front rows, okay? Um, It's all going to be very safe. Um, Okay, but let's say a couple of things about healing. The Bible has a very holistic view of sickness and health. We see from the Bible that there can be many reasons that someone can be unwell. A person can be unwell purely because of the physical reality of living in what we believe is a broken world. A world that has been broken by sin and is affected by evil. A world in which sin and sickness and death exist. Okay? A person can be unwell because they have been sinned against by someone else. Someone might have have assaulted someone, they might have been poison, they could have been the result of war or abuse or neglect. And so someone can be unwell, unhealthy as a result of someone else's actions. A person could be unwell because of their own sin and unwise decisions in harming themselves or doing things that have led to their own harm. We see in the Bible that a person can also be unwell due to spiritual reasons. We're going to look more at that next week and how we deal with that and and resolve that. And then just as sickness can have a range of causes, so healing can come in a range of different ways. There can be physical healing. There can be healing that comes spiritually, supernaturally. Healing can be opposed in different ways when it comes physically and supernaturally. And so physical sickness can be cured through uh, medical means. Uh, The advance of of medicine has been amazing in our world today. And those of you who are here, and many of you are involved in that field, which is fantastic because it's a way that we are practically able to show God's compassion to people. And so much of the advance of medicine in our world today has originally been motivated out of this desire to love people because we believe that people are made in the image of God. And it's worth while time and energy and resources to find and discover ways to bring wholeness and healing to people. And we need to be praying for our medical faculties. And we spent a, 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 a significant portion of an all-night of prayer the other day praying for all of the staff at the Marsden Hospital and praying for God's blessing over them, uh, from the nurses to the administrative people right through the, doc- the doctors and the surgeons, because we want to bless the people who are involved in that work. It's so powerful. We also see, though, in the Bible that there is a place for supernatural healing, healing that is not done by natural means, but healing that comes from God. And we see Jesus does that in many different ways. There are no formulas that we can really take from the New Testament about how supernatural healing is done. Sometimes we see Jesus addressing the physical causes. Sometimes we see him addressing spiritual causes. Um, But whether it is Jesus or the disciples or people uh, administering 
healing that is supernatural healing, what we believe is happening in that moment, when that takes place in that way, is that the power of God and the authority of God has broken into our situation and circumstance and overruled the reality of the sickness and overruled the reality of the illness. And I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I was in a service like this and um, having the sense that God was going to heal someone of a specific issue and taking the risk that you can't do supernatural ministry without taking risks. There's another thing that I've discovered. Taking the risk of coming up in front of sort of hundreds of people and sharing that I felt there was someone with a particular problem that God wanted to heal that evening. And out of the hundreds of people, this one person came forward and we prayed for them and they were instantly healed in that moment. Just an amazing experience. I remember getting um, a, a message from the person's mother later on that week to say they were just so amazed at what God had done and it had been such a huge help and they'd been to doctors and they'd been to all of these different things and nothing had happened and, and how God had, had brought healing to, to this mother's son. So special. I remember the first time pr praying for someone and feeling pain in my own body that actually wasn't anything to do with me. As Nikki Gumbel was saying, that sometimes we can, that's the way God alerts us. So praying for someone, suddenly I've got pain in my body. It's not what they've come forward for prayer for. And then asking them, uh, do, do you have pain like this? Them saying, yes, we prayed for them. And again, they were instantly healed in that moment. Just an, a, amazing experiences, and I know that many of you have had experiences that are similar to that, and we've obviously all prayed for people as well that have not been healed. And so when I was talking last week about Jesus saying, the kingdom of God has come near, and this is where we begin to see the practical implications of that, that the kingdom of God is near, but it's not yet fully come. And so we believe that Jesus came and in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, he brings the kingdom of God near to the earth. And around him, some of the evidence of that future kingdom begins to be experienced. People who are dead come back to life. People who are sick get healed. People who are oppressed by spiritual realities get set free. People experience truth when before they've been stuck in the lie. And so we see when Jesus comes again, that reality will be complete for all of God's people. There will be no death. There will be no pain, no suffering, complete healing for every person who is in relationship with God. But now we live in the in-between. Have you heard of this phrase, the now and the not yet? The kingdom is now in the sense that we experience it now in part. And it's not yet in the sense that it hasn't finally come. And so when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he says, I want you to pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven... Your kingdom come. Your will, which is no evil, no death, no pain, no suffering, complete healing. Your will be done where? On the earth. How? As it is in heaven. And so this is the fight of the kingdom and kingdom ministry that we're engaged in now. We are praying that what God ultimately intends for people would become an experiential reality for them today 
by the ministry of Jesus, through his people, through the church, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray, we pray with this reality. Not everyone is completely healed. Evil is not completely done away with. Not all suffering is gone. But we can have an impact. We can pray that the will, the ultimate will of God, would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the disciples' prayer. And this is the ministry that we see the disciples engage in and ultimately for us to engage in too. Okay, we're going to sub out my voice for uh, Nikki Gumbles again. All right, here we go. One time I got a call to go to the Brompton Hospital where I was the assistant chaplain. Actually, when I got the call, I was on the squash court and it was quite urgent, so I rushed to the hospital in my squash gear with my squash racket still in my hand. And when I arrived, I met the person who'd asked me to go, a, a mother called Vivian. And at first of all, Vivian was a bit surprised to see a vicar in squash gear. It took me a little bit of time to persuade her that I actually was a vicar. But when she was convinced, she asked me to go and pray for this little boy. She was a mother of three children and she was pregnant with her fourth. The third child, Craig, had Down syndrome. He was 18 months old, and he had a hole in his heart. He'd been operated on, but it had been unsuccessful, so the doctor said that there was no hope for him. He was on life support, and three times they'd asked for her permission to switch the machine off and let him die. The mother wasn't a Christian, but she said, I want to try one last thing. I want to get someone to pray for him. So that's why I'd been called. I went into the room, he had tubes all over his body, and I prayed for him in the name of Jesus to be healed. And then I went to chat to Vivian and talked to her a little bit about faith. And there in the hospital, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Two days later, I went back into the hospital to see how he's getting on. And she came running up to me, so excited. She said, after you prayed, Craig turned the corner and he's recovered. Still had Down syndrome, but he was healed of that heart condition. Now, that was not a placebo effect or the power of positive thinking. No way it could have been auto-suggestion. He was just a baby. That was 27 years ago. Today, Craig is still going strong. I've kept in touch with the family all these years, and he's the glue in that family, a remarkable young man. She said to me afterwards, I didn't believe, but I do believe now. Of course, I've also prayed for lots of people who haven't been healed. But as John Wimber used to say, when we prayed for no one, no one was healed. Now we pray for lots of people, some are healed. As a child, I played a lot of basketball, and I think that's where the problem with my knee started. And it became worse after joining the Royal Marines. The tendons were, were, were ripped, the ligaments were ripped. And as a result, my kneecap was sort of free-floating in my leg, as it were. I couldn't walk for a long period of time, I couldn't sit for a long period of time, and in itself, running was completely out of the question. I got a U-turn when I came to Alpha. I was, I was invited, reluctantly accepted, I must highlight, you know, very cynical about the entire thing. And then a chap said he had a word of knowledge about this young man who has this knee problem, and it's been ongoing for a long time, he needs to get it sorted, and he, if he wants prayer, he can raise his hand. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is me. Who's, who told him about it? Who told him about my knee? And I 
cautiously raised my hand to my ear, just, just the height. And two, two guys came over and said, do you want to go and pray? I said, yes. So I said, I'm, I'm the knee guy. Yeah, you could say so you could pray. And I really appreciate that. And they started praying for me and uh, placed his hand on my knee. And just 30 seconds, 45 seconds into prayer, there was this warmth in my knee. And then there was a tingling, which is a bit ticklish. So I started laughing. And at, at the end of the prayer, there was a slight difference. I could, I could sense there was a change. But I wanted to make, make sure that actually it is good to go. So I told them, step back, I need to test this. I absolutely just, just landed on my knees very heavily, like boom, on the, on the ground. And there was no pain. I just couldn't believe it. That after such a long period where I've been to top doctors, top physiotherapists in the armed forces trying to get this sorted, you know, and within three to five minutes, it's all gone. So the next day, I went for a six-mile run, and in the end, I felt absolutely fine. Um, we could share many more stories, um, which I think would be encouraging. I, th I think what I, I, I want to land on is to say this. I do believe God still heals today. I do believe God still heals today. I believe the more we pray with faith, the more we pray with revelation from God, as God leads us and directs us, as we trust him, as we show compassion, as we feel God's heart for other people, the more we will see the power of God break into people's suffering and bring transformation and change. Um, I've shared this before, but Alexander Fenter, who worked alongside of uh, John Wimber for quite a long time, um, a man that I was able to spend some significant time with in South Africa, um, has written for the Vineyard Movement quite a lot on healing. And he says this in one of his books, how do I summarize healing and the healing ministry? Three words come to mind, war, mystery, and mercy. And I think as a church, if we want to be the people that God is calling us to be in society to one another, to be a force for healing and wholeness for our communi community, we need to embrace all three of these words, war and mystery and mercy. War, there is risk going to war. There is a risk when you go to, into a physical war. It is challenging. You know that it is going to be draining on your resources. War is expensive. It's costly. Okay? And it's the same for us when we enter into this ministry of healing. It is emotionally, spiritually, physically expensive. And there is risk. And yet it's the battle and the fight that God calls us to be engaged in. When we pray, and we don't just pray, but we keep on praying. We've talked about that. Praying like knocking. Sometimes you don't have what you need because you haven't asked. And you ask, and boom, straight away you have it. Sometimes you pray, and you need to keep on praying. Sometimes you need to pray and fast and pray and fast and trust and worship and celebrate and, and continue to pray until there is breakthrough. We have permission to pray like that from God. Not just permission, but we're actually called to pray like that for one another. Wouldn't it be amazing to be a part of a community where you know when you're in trouble, people go to war for you? 
And there's a sense in that we will fight for one another in prayer and trust that we will see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into our life and existence. Okay, so that's the one, war. The other is mystery. It's also important as we go to war to recognize there are going to be things that will happen that we don't understand. We won't know always why God heals this person and does not seem to have victory in healing this other person. We, we don't always know the answers to that. I don't know the answers to that. But I know that God is good. I know that God is faithful. I know God's ultimate plan and hope for all people is that they would know him, be with him forever, have no pain, experience eternally, no death, no suffering. He wipes away every tear and that we can entrust ourselves to him. We can rest in the mystery of the goodness of God and in the wisdom of God. And there is a place where we need to do that. But once we've gone to war, I think sometimes we land in mystery before we've gone to war. And that's not right. That's not the right way around. We need to go to war first. And when everything that can have been done has been done and there is still no change, we lean on the mystery in that scenario. And then lastly, mercy. This isn't a ministry for show. This isn't a ministry that we engage in so that we can see the power of God and have great testimonies. This is a ministry that we engage in because we love people, because God loves people, because Jesus knows what it is to have suffered and suffered right up to the point of death. And God is a God who is rich in mercy and compassion and loving kindness. And he calls us into his heart for people that we would minister out of his heart and love. Okay, so I hope as a church we can really engage in this. This is James 5. It says, is anyone among you sick? Okay, so this is where we, we can get a bit practical this morning. And just to say, you know, this is, is anyone among you sick of, with any kind of sickness? So that includes the common cold, and it goes right the way through to the most terminal and scary of diseases that people can face. Okay? Is anyone among you sick? And, and I say that, <laughs> this, not meaning to be funny, but if we only ever pray for people who are right out here in the toughest situation, that's, that's like throwing our prayer team right in on the deep end, Okay? It's all right to come with a cold and a sore throat and a cough, and, and we can pray for that too. Not just because God wants to heal you, but it's also helpful in the journey of learning that we can pray for everything. Does that, I've, I felt that it would be good to say that. So, because sometimes we can feel like, why would, it doesn't really matter. The God doesn't need to heal my cold because, you know, I don't want, I don't want to sort of, suck resources from God, healing my cold, when we need God's resources to be released to heal this bigger problem. Uh, and actually, it's a skew thinking about the power of God. Okay? God doesn't need you to not come forward so that he's got time and energy to be able to heal someone else who is perhaps more sick than you are. Okay? You are loved and held in deep affection by your Father. Whether that is a sore throat or whether that is something far more serious. 
Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Again, this picture of holistic healing. And so I want to say to you this morning, we would love to pray for you. We would love to pray for the kingdom of God to break into your life if you are not well. That doesn't matter whether you have pain in your body, in your joints, in your back, in your neck, if there is a sickness, if there's illness. Perhaps you know someone who's really unwell and they couldn't be here today. And you might want to come and stand in place for them so that we can pray for them to be healed. But we would like to take the time now to do that. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.